Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So here is something uh, that is true for all of us. Uh, Maybe we've experienced this more than others, or maybe you're married to somebody that's experienced this more than others. Uh, You can grow older and not grow up, right? This is... This is just this is just true, right? You can you can grow older, you can age on in years, and not grow up. I'm not speaking from personal experience. Um, maturity maturity certainly takes time, uh, but it is dependent on more than just time. It's maturity takes time. Maturity relationally, emotional maturity, and certainly spiritual maturity. And I would argue all those are connected together. They take time, but they are dependent um, on more than just time, um, that maturity isn't one of those things that just automatically grows just because you get older. In fact, there's really only two things that grow automatically in your life and mine while we get older. And uh, that's our earlobes and our nose, okay? Those never stop growing. Fun fact for the day, you can take that one to the bank. Um, And if you've ever been made fun of for tiny earlobes, joke's on them because you are ahead of all of us. You know what I mean? It's all downhill from here. This is fascinating. The reason why your earlobes never stop growing is because over the course of your life, the gravitational pull here on the earth pulls, I'm kidding, that's not why. (laughs) But some of y'all were like, oh my gosh. All the science people were like, we're leaving. Babe, we are leaving. That is not what, um, it's not why you guys are here today. But your maturity in mind, your growth in mind is not something that just happens automatically with time. Um, Your spiritual maturity does not just happen with time. And what this series has been all about is that it takes effort. It takes effort. And if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, right, you know this, you can be a Christian for a any amount of time. You can be someone who's seen it all. You know it all. You've read it all. You've sang it all, but there is not spiritual maturity happening in your life. So what I want to talk about um, as we close out our series um, is what does spiritual maturity look like? What does spiritual immaturity look like? And what is at stake if we don't understand the difference? We are closing out a three-part series today um, that we've titled The Art of Transformation. The Art of Transformation. And we've been wrestling with the tension. We've been wrestling with this tension that there's an aspirational you that's awesome and then there's an actual you that is less awesome. That's the nicest way to say that, right? Um, And that for every single human, this is the human experience, there is a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap between who you wanna be and who you are, a gap between who others need you to be and who you are, and, and, and as we found, a gap between who God has called you to be and who we actually are. And this gap can be frustrating, defeating, and discouraging. And sometimes we are aware of the gap, but those closest to us are most certainly always aware of the gap. And this gap exists whether you're a person of faith or not, because what's true for all of us is that we all know ways in which we wanna be better and can be better. And so we've been wrestling with, okay, who are you becoming? 
Like, who is it that you are becoming? Because while maturity and spiritual maturity does not just happen automatically, we are all becoming somebody automatically. You don't choose that, that your life experiences and what you consume and what you choose to pursue, we're all becoming someone. And what we laid out in week one is this, is that everyone, everyone is spiritually formed by something into someone. And this isn't a faith idea. This is a human idea. This word spiritually, don't let it throw you off. It just means the internal parts of who you are, the non-physical, intangible parts that every single human has had their inner self, their character formed by something, and it determines the someone that they become. And so who is it that you are becoming? And is the gap between the aspirational you and the actual you, is it, is it closing based on who you are being formed in Two, because one of the primary purposes of God, as we've laid out in this series, one of the primary purposes of God in your life and for your faith is that you would be transformed to look, live, and love more like Jesus. And anything that we do is a means to that end. And as I promised, I gave you guys a picture for the two primary combinate, the two uh, primary components of your transformation, and I was going to say you are never going to forget these things. So I'm going to tell you about them every week. And if if you're with us for the first time, this will help you catch up. There are two major components to your transformation. This was an illustration from one of my seminary professors, and it's thing one and thing two. Okay, from Dr. Seuss's cat and that. Thing one and thing two. Thing one and thing two. Thing one and thing two, they go together. You can't have one without the other. And the two major components for your transformation and for mine is a combination of thing one and thing two. And thing one is God. And thing two is you. Thing one is God, thing two is you. That your transformation, being transformed to look, live, and love like Jesus, and even if you're not sure you wanna look and live like Jesus, um, what I've kind of been proposing is, hey, even if you don't have faith, my argument to you is that I think Jesus is the best human that ever lived. Don't determine what you think about faith based on how Christians, like we're not, we're not all that great, but Jesus, he's the perfect human. Okay, so um, there's probably some qualities there that you'll see that, you know what, I do want that to be a part of my life. But in any event, um, your Transformation is a combination of divine enablement, thing one, and personal responsibility, thing two. And we Christians mess this up when we put too much emphasis on one or the other. And we've been walking through a passage in the New Testament written by the apostle Peter, one of Jesus's first followers, one of the leaders in the early church after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and we've been looking at this passage, this first Peter, that really lays out thing one and thing two perfect. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Some of the wording is a little bit kind of confusing, especially at the beginning. And so the hope was by the end of this thing, we could read this, almost this entire, this chapter and kind of get a picture of what Peter's talking about. Because what he does, and I'm gonna give you a recap um, just to kind of get us all on the same page and build on this passage as we've been doing each week. But in the first couple verses, he talks about thing one, what God did, what Jesus did. And then he's in thing two, he gets to the second part of the passage, thing two, your responsibility and mine. And then that'll lead us to um, not thing three, um, but um, what is, um, why it matters for you and for me. So let's recap um, for 2 Peter chapter one, starting in verse three, his divine power, meaning Jesus, 
Jesus's divine power has given us, has gifted us everything we need for a godly life. He's given us everything that we need to pursue a life that looks, lives, and loves more like Jesus. Through our knowledge of him, it's a relational knowledge. It denotes a connection and a relationship. So we've been given everything we need through our relationship with Jesus, who called us by his own glory and goodness. And he goes on to kind of say the same thing in a different way. Through these, meaning his glory and his goodness, through his goodness and his glory, Jesus has given us his great and, and precious promises. He's made good on these great and precious promises so that through these promises that he's made good on, we can participate in the divine nature. In other words, we can participate in the life that God has for us. We can live a life that's modeled after the life of Jesus rather than rather than having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We can live a life modeled after Jesus rather than living a life ruled by our own human desires that gets us into trouble. And the promises, and this is really important, the promises, there's a lot of promises throughout the scriptures that Jesus made good on, but the two that I think are most in context when Peter was writing this, the two promises that Jesus made good on that enables us to pursue a different kind of life is that Jesus defeated the power of sin and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. He defeated the power of sin so it would no longer rule and reign over you and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. And as a result, Peter says, as a result, You and I have a brand new capacity that we did not possess before to pursue a life, a godly life. But flesh that out a little bit, a life where we look, live, and love more like Jesus, where we might be transformed. That's thing one. Then he goes on and thing two, he goes on. So as a result of all of that, for this very reason, because all of that is true, because thing one did his part, because we've been given a brand new capacity, now it's time for thing two. I want you to make every effort to add to your faith. And he lists these virtues. And we talked about this last week, but to add just means to furnish. Imagine you've got an empty house or an empty apartment that you didn't build. Now it's your time to furnish it, to make it functional. So Peter is saying, hey, God's done his part. Now it's time for us to make our faith functional, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And last week, we broke each virtue down and talked about how to make it practical in our lives. Today, I wanna encourage you to go back and catch up if you haven't already. So thing one did their part. Peter says, so now it's thing two's turn to make every effort. And the image that's so helpful is that of a sailboat, right? The power of a sailboat is in the wind, but somebody's got to open the sail, thing one and thing two. So then Peter, as he's closing out this passage, closing out this exhortation, this encouragement, this challenge to these Christians, he tells us why it matters and what is at stake. If we as followers of Jesus don't make every effort. He goes on right out of the list of virtues in verse eight, and he says this, four, For if, a conditional, here's what is true if you do this. If, then this. If you possess, if you exhibit these qualities, like if if you possess them, if they become a part of who you are. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure. If these virtues, in other words, are active and growing. If these virtues, these qualities that Jesus um, modeled for us in the New Testament, if they are growing in your life little by little, then 
And Peter, Peter doesn't hold back. He says, if they're growing in increasing measure, then here's what is true. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That if you're actively growing in these qualities, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge, in your Christian walk. What's the implication? If you are not actively growing in these qualities, you are and I am ineffective and unproductive in my Christian walk. And this word ineffective, it it means idle, kind of standing around, not growing or stagnant. And the word unproductive, it literally means unfruitful, a lack of production of good things. So he's leaning in and challenging anybody that says, I believe in Jesus. Now, this verse here, it is both encouraging and challenging. It's encouraging in this sense, that it's not about having all of them or none of them. The primary concern is to be actively growing in how we exhibit them, right? Perfection isn't the goal. Progress is the goal, right? Following Jesus is not an all or nothing thing, right? It's not, you've got to be perfect. And so it's encouraging in the sense that it's an increasing measure over the course of your life. But it is challenging in this sense, you are a follower of Jesus, you should be growing in how much your life reflects these virtues. That if you are a follower of Jesus, then the expectation is that you are actually growing in increasing measure in the virtues that you are exhibiting. In every arena of life, in every relationship, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your habits and in your rhythms, in your thought life, anywhere you go, anywhere you work, the expectation is that you are actually growing. An increasing measure basically communicating that we should never be content, that we should never be content, right? I'm one of those people that just doesn't know when to put something down, you know what I mean? Like how good is good enough? And Peter isn't describing for you and for me how to be good enough for God. In response to all that he's done, we should never be content or naive or prideful enough to think that we've grown enough. That we've grown to look, live, and love like Jesus enough to where now we can just kind of start to coast and hope everybody catches up. If you aren't growing in these virtues, don't miss this. If you aren't growing in these virtues, then we are settling for the minimal experience of Christianity. Like if you are not growing in these virtues, then we are settling. You're just settling. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not pursuing these virtues, you are settling. You are settling. You are settling. And I am settling for a minimal level of the Christian experience. To know Jesus and to be unproductive and ineffective is this, to be saved and to probably punch your ticket into heaven for sure but to not grow to look, live, and love like Jesus. And that level of the Christian experience, what Peter's saying, is below and beneath what Jesus came to offer. Punching my ticket to heaven and just waiting for it to get there, living a life of complacency and not making every effort to grow to look more like Jesus is a level of the Christian experience beneath and below what Jesus himself called his followers to. In fact, true knowledge And real connection to Jesus should be a catalyst within us to make every effort 
empowered by his grace to look, live, and love like Jesus in order to serve and build up his kingdom. Anything below that is settling for a Christian experience that is beneath and below what Jesus came to offer. And then Peter, he must've been angry. It was like a bad day when he wrote this because it gets even harsher, but it's to the Christians. So all the non-Christians are like, yeah, go get them, okay? That's what he says in verse nine. He says, but whoever does not have them, who doesn't, is not in, these virtues are not actively growing in your life, little by little. They are nearsighted and blind, forgetting, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. The, the word forgetting in the New Testament, it's not um, a mental process. Oh, oh, I forgot my keys at home. The word forgetting here describes a practical failure to fail, a practical failure to take into account what is true, a practical failure to not live out what is true. So what Peter is saying is, if you're not growing, if you are growing in them, it's gonna keep you from being ineffective and productive. And we'll talk about what effective and productive means in just a second. Um, But the other side of that, if you're not growing in them, then you are nearsighted. You've totally forgotten and have totally missed what Jesus has done for you. Forgetting to um, forgetting forgetting in this context is failing to make every effort in the life that Jesus has enabled you to pursue. Forgetting in this context is rather than rather than participating in the divine nature, allowing sin to continue to rule and reign in your heart, even though Jesus says it's no longer your master. Forgetting, forgetting in this context is failing to live in the freedom and fullness that Jesus came to offer. Failing to pursue the potential, the brand new potential that Jesus has made available. Failing to live in the renewed life that Jesus has made available. Claiming and believing that Jesus died for your sins, but not living like it makes any difference. Sounds harsh, but don't miss this. Because what Peter is doing here is describing for us and encouraging and pushing us towards the sweet spot of the Christian faith. I wanna show you, I wanna show you the sweet spot. Now, remember again, in context, remember, we're looking at this whole passage in context. Thing one, thing one has done its job. Thing two, now it's our job. Grace has been shown that not only forgives, but empowers us. Now thing two is supposed to make every effort. So here's how Peter is landing the plan. I wanna show you by looking at a graph, okay? If you weren't good at math, don't worry, I'm gonna walk you through it, okay? I'm gonna show you the slope of Jesus, okay? That was a math teacher joke. All right, so... My math, my math teacher really liked that one, didn't you? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, <clears throat> grace, no grace, effort, no effort. In a world where you give maximum effort but don't need grace or don't know grace or don't live in grace, all that breeds is legalism and self-righteousness. 
This is where the Pharisees lived in the New Testament. It's all about their effort. Um, It's all about what they can do. And the goal was perfection. Because if you don't need grace, then that's the only thing that you can pursue. If you don't need grace, it means that your life doesn't require it, which means you can achieve perfection. That in this realm here, faith becomes a checklist. Faith becomes a thing of doing, not for inner transformation, but to look like you've got it all set on the outside. And if there's no grace, for you. That means there's no grace for anybody else. And if you think you're perfect, that means everyone else has to be. And if there's no grace for them, then you begin to look down and think that you are better than. The problem here is that perfection is impossible. And that certainly does not breed on the inside what Jesus came to grow in us. On the flip side of that, no grace and no effort. What we find there is defeat and shame. That when we fail to recognize the grace that we've been given, when we fail to lean into the grace of God and, and, and simultaneously make no effort to change, this is a place where um, it feels like there's no hope. There's no hope for better. There's no way things can be different. That I'm nothing but a failure. I'm defined by my failure. I'm too far gone. I'm too broken. What is the point anymore? In the realm of all grace and no effort, which is unfortunately, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about all the other Christians. It's just unfortunately, where so many of us, myself included, it is so easy to lean back into all grace and no effort is ineffective and unproductive. This is what Peter was describing. This is a, pre, this is a place where you've, you've punched your ticket to heaven and now we're reclining in the lazy boy. This is, this is complacency. This is a place of stagnation. This is where we trust God to forgive us, but our response to that isn't what it should be. This is where Paul writes in Romans, I mean, should we go on just keep sinning so that grace continues to forgive us? Living in that quadrant is living with this mindset. God's job is to forgive It certainly is, but we miss out. Knowledge of Jesus is ineffective and unproductive. We're just kind of there. We're just idle, but there isn't growth. There certainly isn't any kind of maturity. Stagnant. And then Peter says, but I, I want you to live in the sweet spot. I want you to experience the fullness in the life that Jesus came to offer you. All effort and all grace is what Peter would describe as effective and productive. This is thing one and thing two. This is, this is the whole series summed up right here. You've got to have both. And leaning on one or the other at the expense of the other and you don't end up where you wanna be or where God desires for you to be. Thing one and thing two, effective, moving, growing, following, working, serving, maturing, productive, bearing fruit, which is a sign that something is alive in you and in me. There's grace that reminds us we don't have to be perfect, that that, that we're never gonna be, a grace that always forgives us, a grace that reminds us we've gotta be dependent, but as a response to that, not because we're better than anybody else, but as a response to that grace, we're making every effort. We're making every effort to furnish our faith and to build on the foundation that Jesus won 
for us. This is the sweet spot of your faith. And this is where I want you to live. This is where I want our church to live. And it's a sweet spot for two reasons. One, because that's where transformation happens. That's where transformation happens for you. That's where we begin to see and to experience the maturity and that transformation is possible. It is in that space that we start to see the, actual, the aspirational and the actual gap begin to close. What is spiritual maturity? It's not just knowing. It's not just reading. It's not just singing. It's not just attending. No, it is all of those things working together with God's grace and your maximum effort. It's where we begin to see victory and growth in areas of your life that you have not seen victory and growth in in quite some time. It's when we begin to see victory and growth in areas that you feel like you've been so defeated in for so long. It's when we can begin to step into fullness and freedom, experience healing, redemption, and growth. It is the next level of the Christian experience. But just like with anything as it relates to Jesus, it's bigger than just you and just me. In fact, your spiritual formation and who you are becoming and your transformation, it's not just for you and it's not just for me. And we have to get this. I want us to get this right. I want you to get this right. It's the sweet spot of the Christian faith maybe more than anything else, because it is also where the difference in you begins to be a difference in and for others. Effective and productive, not just for my sake. Nothing in the way of Jesus is just for my sake. Effective and productive for the sake of others. That in this space, we become the types of Christians that actually follow. In this space, we become the types of followers that contribute to the kingdom that Jesus came to establish rather than just consuming church on Sunday. That this is the space where we begin to be salt and light that Jesus called for us to be. Salt because we make the world better and light because we help illuminate the darkness. And come on, corporately, corporately, could you imagine? Could you imagine the difference? Could you imagine the good that can be done if every follower of Jesus that made up this church made every effort to add goodness, integrity, wisdom, and self-control and developed the mastery of self. Could you imagine if every follower of Jesus that makes up this church added perseverance, a stick to itness, uh, a, a, a patience in adversity, they added godliness. Could you imagine if we added mutual affection, the practical care for others and added love, which is the, to desire the highest good for another. Come on, could you imagine in our church, you guys are so good at this, you're so good at this, but could you imagine if all of us collectively said, I'm not done growing here yet. Could you imagine if the way that we worship God wasn't just singing on Sundays, but we worship God with our finances. We worship God with our energy and with our time. We worshiped God in whatever our work was and whatever industry we find ourselves in. Looking to serve, 
looking to love as Jesus loved, looking to share the gospel any chance that we got. Come on, I'm just telling you. Not only as we pursue and make every effort does the gap between the aspirational you and the actual you get smaller. As followers of Jesus, when we make every effort to add those things to our faith, there's another gap that gets smaller. And that's the gap that the outside world sees between Jesus and the way that we follow. And when that gap gets smaller, I'm just telling you, the reputation of the church begins to change. And then on a personal level, for you, come on, who you're becoming impacts every single relationship that you have. Because who you're becoming is who everybody experiences. Who you're becoming is who your spouse is married to. Who you're becoming is who your kids are raised by. Who you're becoming is who your neighbors live by. Who you're becoming is who your coworkers work with. Who you're becoming is who your grandkids are so excited to come over to because they're gonna get spoiled rotten, right? Come on. Who you're becoming affects every relationship. And, and, and if I could just talk just for me for just a second, the best thing that I could do for my wife, Julie, and the best thing that I could do for my kids, the absolute greatest gift I could give them on this side of heaven is to pursue a life where Jesus forms me more than I let anything else form me. For the people that I would die for, the best thing that I can do is quite literally die to self in order to let Jesus shape and form every bit of who I am. The best thing I can do for the people that I love the most is to make every effort and to make every bit of room for Jesus to transform me so I can lay my life down and love them more than I could on my own. And the same is true for you. And as we begin to show the world what transformation looks like, as we begin to show the world what Jesus looks like, as we begin to show the world that we're not something, that faith isn't just something we believe, but it becomes something functionally that we do. As we begin to show the world that we have everything we need to pursue a life that looks like Jesus, that changes everything for the better. Imagine God using that and God using your life to show other people what God could do in theirs. That's the church that I want to be a part of. I mentioned in week one that Dallas Willard, an author and theologian that has greatly impacted and continues to impact my life through his writings, he said that the most important thing in life the most important thing in life is who you're becoming. And everything we just talked about is exactly why that's true. The sweet spot of all grace and every bit of effort is where transformation happens for you, but it's where the transformation in you and me begins to change the world. So Peter, he's winding down and He's wrapping up this passage and he sums it up. He says, therefore, in verse 10, in light of everything that we just talked about, he says, in light of thing one, in light of the effort that I'm calling thing two to take, 
and in light of why it matters for your faith and for mine and for the world around us. Therefore, he says, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. He brings it back. Make every effort. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, come on, don't miss this because thing one did their part and I've challenged thing two and and now I'm, I'm summing it up. He says, just look, make every effort. Do everything that you've been able to do to confirm your calling. That word confirm it means to validate. And I learned something way too late in life that I should have learned a long time ago. Um, you know, parked somewhere at a restaurant or a hotel and they said, hey, you can go get your parking validated. I never knew what that meant. Honestly, way too long in my adult life. I just was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah for sure I'm gonna get it validated. I had no idea. When I asked, I just, I, yeah, pre, thanks, thanks for the validation, man. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we valid, yeah, validated. Yeah, validated. Yeah, validated. 100%. Yeah, you validated? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had no idea. And if you don't know nervous laughter, it's okay. I'm gonna tell you, and no one has to know that you didn't know, okay? <laughs> to validate your parking is just to prove. When a restaurant or hotel validates your parking, it proves that you went where you said you were going to go, that you stayed where you said you were gonna stay or ate at where you said you were going to eat. And so what Peter is saying, hey, I want you to make every effort to validate, to make every effort to authenticate your faith. I want you to make every effort to prove to the world how good Jesus is. I want you to make every effort to live like Jesus has really changed your life. And as you do, your life will change. You'll be transformed. And then as you do, the world around you begins to be transformed as well. I want you to validate your faith, to make every, to, every effort to do so, because that is where transformation happens. And that is where a difference gets made in and through you. Week one brought out the Polaroid. And I used it as an example. It's an amazing piece of technology, right? That it has everything it needs to produce the picture. Nothing like it exists. I mean, there's nothing. Your phone takes a better picture, but it can't print the picture out, right? It has everything it needs to produce the picture. And I said, look, in a very similar way, you've been given everything you need to pursue a life that looks, lives, and loves like Jesus. Um, Y'all want a picture? Because here's what I didn't share. Yeah, go ahead, put your arm. Here's what I didn't share. It has everything it needs to produce the picture. But you know this. The Polaroid doesn't come out immediately. It takes time. It takes a little bit of process, right? In the words of Andre 3000, you gotta, right? You gotta. I'm impressed y'all got that, honestly. (laughs) I am proud of our church. I am proud. You sent me to the right place, Lord. This This is great. It takes time. 
and, and you don't know how it's going to come out exactly. And eventually when it does, it might be a little bit blurry and the lighting might be a little bit off. But here's what's true. And here's what I want to encourage you as we kind of wrap up on this series. It's okay that it's a process. It is meant to be a process and it's going to take time. And if this Polaroid represents your life, if we were to kind of capture a picture of our lives with where we are right now, you might have things in this picture of your life that you wouldn't want. There might be parts of this story that you wish weren't a part of the story. There are redemption. There's some redemption that's needed in this picture that you wish you did not need redeemed. There are struggles and secrets that you wish weren't a part of this picture. But here's what I want to remind you is that God's not done with you yet. And if we would be willing to lean in and to make room, God's going to be faithful. God's not done and God's going to use it. That God's gonna use whatever is currently a part of the picture to bring new life and to bring fresh life because transformation is possible. And all of it rooted in the fact that God so deeply loves you. That no matter the picture currently, there's healing and restoration and growth and victory possible. A life not ruled by the sin nature. Reconciliation is possible. Spiritual growth and maturity is possible because transformation is possible. It just takes time. And let that encourage you. Because we are called to lean in and trust a God that promises to do it if we lean his way. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. This word sanctify, is just a fancy word for transformation. It's a fancy word to mean to look, live, and love more like Jesus in increasing measure. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Like fully, may your whole spirit, soul, and body form from the inside out, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to write, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Thing one did his part. And now he's asking you to lean in and to do your part. And with process and over time, he is faithful to do it. He is faithful to transform. So here's how I want to end. I just, I want to give you a little a prayer. I just literally made this up just out of the, the scripture. And, and maybe you write it down and you take a picture of it. And, and maybe it's just a prayer that you begin to build into your regular rhythm. Or maybe just, you know, when you pray or maybe something you journal, maybe just a quick prayer on your way in to work. Um, it's, and it's this, and, and I'm going to read it, and then I'm just going to ask us to say it all together. We'll, we'll practice. It's just this. It's Jesus. You've given me everything I need to make every effort. I trust you'll do your part. I commit to doing mine. Jesus, you, you've given me everything I need to make every effort. I trust you'll do your part. I commit to doing mine. In fact, I just, if we could, I just want to read this together. Um, and I, I, even if you're not sure you believe it yet, that's, that's okay. That's okay. But there's something powerful about saying something like this out loud. So let's just read it together. You ready? Jesus, you've given me everything I need to make every effort. I trust you'll do your part. I commit to doing mine. 
we're all going to be spiritually formed into someone by something. And thing one, Jesus made a way, showed us the way, modeled for us the way to real life. And thing two, it's our job to make every effort to make room for Jesus to do in us and through us whatever it is he wants to do. Saved by his grace and empowered by his grace. Given everything we need to make every effort. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Thank you that through Jesus, you've given us everything that we need to make every effort. We trust you will come through on your end as you proved you already have. So today, Lord, we just commit to doing our part, trusting that transformation is not only possible, but that God, you're going to use it for I pray you'd give us the courage to lean in. I pray you'd give us the courage to make every effort in response to the grace that we've been given. And I pray, Lord, you'd begin a work in us today that not only transforms us, but that you would use that to transform the world around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.